Global, sparking innovative thoughts. Welcome to another episode of Texas Global Podcast with me, Chawaratum Diranona Pupe, the Texas Global Content Editor. Um, I'm with a person that's pretty well known for uh, this concept of self-leadership. And uh, this is really uh, important, especially at a time where we're going through a lot of uh, corporate innovation. And uh, we're sitting here at the Texas uh, uh, Culture Summit. And so definitely uh, it's going to be really good for those who didn't make it to our summit <laughs> to know more about him. And that is Andrew Bryant, the founder of Self Leadership International. Hi. Hello. Um, this morning you talked about you know people, tech, culture, the self-leadership approach. Tell us about it. Well, so those first three things are important. Uh, people, culture, and technology. Everybody's wanting to go through some level of digital transformation if they're going to be sustainable and effective and efficient in a, in a changing world. So a lot of people invest in technology, but if they don't invest in the people and if they don't change their culture, they're not going to be successful. So the way I, I described it this morning is that people, technology, and culture are three forces. Mm -hmm. But you need a stabilizing element, and that stabilizing element I call self-leadership, uh, which means that the people that are interacting with the culture and the technology and with each other have a sense of ownership and that they have an ability to collaborate and ask questions and think differently and be creative. Uh, so that's why it's so important. When you say self-leadership, do you mean uh, as the leader, the, like the leader of the company should have some a sort of sense of self-leadership where they are leading themselves? Well, absolutely, though interestingly, organizations tend to think about this as the employees should have self-leadership, yes. but you can't have employees with self-leadership unless there's a self-leadership culture. Mm -hmm. So a self-leadership culture is one that is encouraging people to think for themselves. So if, you, if, if the leader is directive and hierarchical, they are going to kill creativity. And we heard from another speaker today, Andrew Grant, you know, who, killed, you know, who wrote the book, Who yeah. Killed Creativity. And often, Who Killed Creativity is the culture, doesn't allow people to be creative, or the boss, the only good idea is the one that the boss has. Right? So the boss has to have self-leadership. Now, self-leadership is not selfish. So self-leadership is the practice of intentionally influencing your thinking, feeling, and actions towards your objectives. So we expect leaders to have some intentionality. Why are they leading? They're influencing their thinking, feeling, and actions towards their objectives. But the smart leader wants smart followers, not dumb followers. Because now we have AI, machine learning, robots, cobots to do all the dumb work. What we need is smart people. And it takes a different kind of leadership to lead smart people, to empower people, to engage them, to be creative, to allow them to fail and to, to have an environment where that's okay. So the boss themselves needs self-leadership because otherwise they're going to feel threatened by smart employees. Well, um, how do you monitor yourself? Because if you're all the way at the top, right, it's pretty lonely. Um, and there is a challenge, everyone's challenge when they're in the leadership position of um, not being biased and, and really being true to yourself and knowing your weak points and knowing your strong points. Okay, well, firstly, uh, unfortunately, some people do get to the top with a massive lack of self-awareness, right? because they were very transactional and they delivered results. Uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Gar Marshall Goldsmith, wrote a book, what, what Got You Here Won't Get You There. So there is a glass ceiling in terms of just drive and your own individual style. 
but I've been an executive coach for 20 years working with senior leaders who hit that wall that they cannot progress because their inability to listen, empower, engage other people is stopping them moving up. They just keep defaulting to type and drive, 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 and that only gets you to a certain level. So most effective leaders do have self-awareness because without that self-awareness, they're not effective. Now, how do they to keep that? They have an executive coach like myself, and the smart leaders surround themselves with a, an unofficial board of advisors. Right? So it, it, myself, I, I have a group of people that I can go to on, uh, on any topic. Well, I have specific domain you know, in, in the area of psychology. I have a friend of mine who's you know, a PhD in psychology, constantly researching. I say, hey, I'm talking about this. What do I need to know? I have friends in business. I'm talking about this. What do I need to know? So I would challenge your premise that the top is lonely. I think the top is lonely if you're not smart. Mm. I think if you're a clever leader, you surround yourself with a panel of people who are gonna hold you accountable you know, and hold you, uh, and, and to be a resource for you to step up to the next level. And sometimes that might even be your spouse. Right. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> who knows you better who know, than your significant other and, and who, you know, and, and who will spot your BS faster than other people. Okay. And BS in this case stands for belief system. All right. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was thinking <laughs> the other way. Yeah, of course. Well, it could be that as well. Right. So people who've got a good spouse that will hold them accountable. You know, I, my wife will say to me, you know, Andrew, you're the self-leadership expert. Go sort it out. Right. So if, I'm not allowed to have a pity party for more than about 15 minutes. Okay. Well, uh, you've worked with a lot of executives. Um, what is the common thing that you're seeing right now? What is the latest challenge uh, that they are facing? Well, I don't know whether it's latest. I think you know the, the advent of technology you know, since really in the last five years or so, right? You know, 2014, I was quoting you know Microsoft realizing they were no longer going in the right direction. They put a PC on everybody's desk, and then they realized that they needed to have catch up with open source the cloud and then under Satya Nadella they, they turned around and pivoted the organization whilst you know Google had made headway into the cloud. So now as an organization everything is mobile ready. I mean you're sitting there with a with a device on your lap. You know, we're recording this on a micro device and so portability is everywhere. So the big challenge is you just can't build that organization around your own IP anymore. You're constantly having to collaborate. And I mentioned Satya Nadella, you know, who took, allowed Microsoft to run on Apple iOS. So that willingness to create a service culture with clients, software as a service was the big pivot. Um, partnering with both clients and other people in your own uh, market space to offer, to, to create an offering that enhances people's lives. That is a huge challenge because for years we're always about protecting our territory. So having this willingness to be vulnerable, to be open, and the leader, you know, and still, you know, when I work in, in America, still the CEO, you know, as he walks down the corridor, or she walks down the corridor, it's more typically him than her, unfortunately, but as they walk down the corridor, people, you know, bow and scrape. And, and I coach these people, and they are, you know, the, the smart ones are vulnerable and open. Don't try to think you know anything, everything. So don't go from know it all, go to learn everything. So that's the biggest challenge for any leader. They, they are having to be constantly reading, constantly learning, and constantly disrupting themselves. So the very things that got them successful, they're now having to go, what if that isn't true? Yeah. So this uh, massive difficulty in dealing with ambiguity and, and your uncertainty quotient, as I like to call it, is going to facilitate your success. So there is no certainty anymore. 
you're constantly going to be making mistakes. You, you may even push out a product launch and then you ditch it and you have to pivot to something else. Whereas once upon a time, that would be the end of your career. But now your willingness to fail, to learn, to move on. And to then bring a team with you that's capable of doing that. And that's tough because typically if you've taken over an organization, you've got a lot of people who also got to the top because they were good at one thing. So it, you know, life is not easy. And, and it is not easy now, but it is exciting because we can pivot and change and develop so quickly. Um, if we are prepared to embrace agility, we can make real differences. It's, it's true. I mean, oh, what you said, that nothing's for certain, um, that is probably the quote of the century right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're on, in uncharted territory. I mean, uh, it can be anything in terms of success. Uh, you can't fall back on a formula, right, to, to bring you out. And uh, so if that's the case, there's a lot, as you said, in terms of collaboration that you have to do. Um, biggest, I think, challenge for a lot of corporates is, is not about the technology. It's about how do you work with people, how do you uh, bring out creativity, and also that mindset that will bring you forward. Um, how, how do leaders, how, how would you tell leaders in terms of dealing with this, you know, striking out that balance and, and making sure that employees feel safe, they feel that they have a space to be creative and that they can trust their leaders. Well, do, uh, do you spot the paradox in your question? How do I tell leaders? Because for me <laughs> to tell leaders to stop telling would be disingenuous. I have to ask leaders. Ah. So as a coach, I avoid telling. As a, as a speaker, you saw me today stand on a stage, but I still asked the audience questions. I still invited the audience to consider, is this the best way? How can you be better? So sometimes it frustrates me. I want to tell a leader, do this. But if I didactically tell a leader to do this, I'm as guilty as the leader. So my job is to get the leader and to ask the classic coaching question, which was co-opted by Dr. Phil when he said, how's that working out for you? Right? So, you know, if, you're, if things aren't working out, you've got to look at different ways. And so inviting leaders to, to feel comfortable in themselves. So with self-leadership, it's an inside-out job, right? Working on your, your intentionality, why am I doing what I'm doing? Your self-awareness, who am I? Your self-confidence, what am I good at? And your self-efficacy, the belief that you can try new things, learn, develop, allows us to be influential and impactful. So when the leader themselves is confident, they're not vulnerable, mm. right? They, they are authentic and they're prepared to show their people that they are still learning. That creates a culture where other people can speak up. Because if, if your leader is, is pushing out that they are perfect, then I would suggest that you belong to a cult, mm. right? Yeah. So regardless of whether it's in organization or a political sphere, and this will get me in a little bit of trouble with certain people, um, you know, when the leader says, I know everything or I know more than anybody else, I, I, I would steer very clear or be super suspicious because the smart leader says, I'm learning along with you. This is a journey of equals. Yes, I might be the CEO, the CMO, the CTO, whatever C-level I am, but this is a journey of equals. I, I just happen to be in a position to steer the ship, but, you know, I'm constantly learning where that ship needs to go because nobody has a map right now. Yeah, talking about innovation, there's a lot of different strategies that we've seen a lot of companies take on. Uh, you know, you either bring an innovative team committee inside the company and then go from there, or 
we all go together. <laughs> is, is, that, is that the formula that you've seen so far? Uh, but that, those are two options. I mean, if we're talking about creativity, you know, there's 57 different ways of doing this or 157 ways to do it. You do need, sometimes if, a, if a, the diagnostic here is if the organization is somewhat rigid, you can bring in a creative team. So, you know, one of the, one of the credit card companies, uh, their office in Singapore has a completely separate floor for the creative team from the daily operations team. And the creative people come in in jeans and t-shirts and there's better coffee on that floor, FYI. Um, <laughs> so I won't. Um, and so that's one way of doing it. The problem is that might not always be adopted. Now, your other option, bringing everybody along, that's unlikely to happen. Sometimes HR would like a rising tide to raise all ships. But when it comes to ownership and innovation and creativity, a rising tide does not raise all ships. Some of those ships have got holes in them and, and they're going to sink. So it sometimes is a balance of both. Right? And, and I'm, I know I keep using the Microsoft as an example, but that was the case study yeah. I, I, I use today. And you know, when, when in 2014, Satya Nadella's at the Microsoft offsite, and he realized, I've got all people who think the same way, look the same way, have the history of Microsoft. So he invited the directors of Mojang, who they purchased, but didn't qualify to be at the leadership retreat. But the, the guys of Mojang, you know, they're young, they're gamers, you know, they're cloud and, and mobile ready, bringing them in and, uh, and then sparking up those fresh ideas and challenging people. Um, and then, of course, he went, you know, and went, made all of his senior leaders go talk to customers. Right, which they hated, but initially, but go talk to the customers. And I love that the Windows 10 launch was in a small, a small village in Africa, right? Yeah. Instead of doing it in a media-rich city, to make the point, we need to go and meet our customers. And that's where the key collaboration is, isn't it? And you know, this year I fired two banks mm. because they could not do internet banking, right? You know, that's I mean, reasonable. Yeah, well, you know, they're an internet bank, and when the internet banking says, "Send me a fax." we have a problem. When an internet banking wouldn't let me access my own money to pay my kids' school fees, we have an emotional reaction. I now have a bank that allows me to run my entire company from my mobile phone. Mm -hmm. and, and that was customer-centric. So listen to your customers. That's so simple, but people find it very hard because you know what? You get caught up in the corporate world, you know, in the different uh, levels of of, of that world and sometimes, especially if you're executives perhaps, I, from, mm. from my observation is that you kind of have this barrier, this wall between you and the customer. I know, I mean, it, you, you've got to get down and dirty with the customers, but uh, I'm coaching a CEO who has been, I previously coached in other companies and he's been dropped in by a venture capital firm to take over one of their purchases and he's turning that company around and, and I'm, I'm coaching him uh, to help him with a new team. I mean, he's. You know, he's been coached by me a long time ago. He, in fact, he can teach me things. Um, but you know, helping him raise that level of the team. And you know, the first thing he did uh, you know, is go and meet each of the customers of the client you know, that he bought, and then he met with each of the people. And there's a great book by a former naval officer for the U.S. Navy, Dr. Captain Abrashoff, and he wrote a book called "It's Your Ship." And you have to be very careful how you say that. It's your ship. Um, and he took over the worst performing ship in the US Navy and turned it around to the best performing. And he did it by going and asking three questions. What do you like about working here? What don't you like about working here? What would you change if you could? Imagine going to your customers and saying, what do you like about my product? What don't you like about my product? What would you change if you could? Imagine that data and actually delivering a result. 
wouldn't wouldn't your clients be you know amazed at that feature? Mm, yes. Um, I, I changed you know my marketing software that I'd had for a few years, invested a huge amount of money in it, and they were not responsive to change. And and somebody showed me an alternative, and there was a cost of transition. But I went this 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 marketing company uh, software company is updating every every three months. There's a new release. There are new features, and they are listening. And I went. That's the company I want to have uh, managing my marketing software. Right? Well, now we have to ask our, our listeners and uh, viewers, do you <laughs> like what you've been hearing? <laughs> um, for, for people who are listening or watching us, uh, if they want to know more about your you know, advice and, and, and get no more know-how from you, can you tell us about how they can reach you? And also for those who may not you know, okay. be able to be, have access to you, what is your advice to them? Oh, well, that's a massively leading question to offer. So, so at Self Leadership is my Twitter handle or Instagram handle. Um, for my products and services, learning.selfleadership.com. I think that's a fairly intuitive URL, learning about self-leadership. So it's learning.selfleadership.com. My company, you know, the, the master domain for that is selfleadership.com. It's very corporate. Um, if you want access to one of my books as a free PDF, if you want to access some of my free online webinars, go to learning.selfleadership.com. Okay, and uh, for those who are interested in more thoughts about innovation and uh, new ideas, you can always join our community at techsauce.co as well. Anyways, that's it for our episode of our podcast. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Global. Sparking innovative thoughts.